You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 165. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We're back, baby, from the OC, or more specifically, the annual Roth Conference in the Ritz-Carlton, which was hosted about, it hosted approximately 450 public companies and thousands of analysts. We will briefly talk about what came from our interviews at the event, and we will talk about the launch of our April-March webinars, our first of 2022. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, I will answer a listener question on Namesys Inc., CTZ on the TSX Venture, which provides software solutions for the currency management and processing for the banking and merchant industries, principally in North America. Brennan will answer a listener question on Converge Technology Solutions, CTS on the TSX Venture, a North American hybrid IT solution value-added reseller focused on delivering advanced analytics, cloud cybersecurity, and managed services offerings, as well as the provision of hardware and software and solutions to clients across various industries and organizations. Finally, Aaron will just twiddle his thumbs this week. I'll make a few inappropriate comments as well. <laughs> Good to hear. So I play that to start because Aaron played that every time we got into a car on the way to the Ritz-Carlton in uh, near Laguna Beach there. How did you guys enjoy the event? And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Brennan and Aaron. It was good. I enjoyed it. Thank you for welcoming me. Yeah, I mean, ex- except for having to spend the, you know, three days with you guys, I thought it was good. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> no, it just, was good. Just getting was, out of the country was good. No, but it was, uh, yeah. the event uh, hosted about 450 public companies, Um uh, we had heard it's only a third of the size of the regular event. I think that was in terms of the analysts that went there, but there was likely in the range of a, a you know a thousand to fifteen hundred analysts at the event. So it was pretty well attended. Uh, likely will be bigger this next year, but it was good to get there and to give you an idea what we do when we go to an event like that. There's four hundred and fifty companies. We look through the balance sheets, financial statements, MDNA of each of those companies before we go. We have our specific criteria in terms of revenue, earnings, cash flow, growth going forward. In this case, about 25 met a minimum criteria. And we set up our meetings. We fly out there and speed date 20 to 25 management teams, 35, 30 minutes each. So uh, over two to three days. And uh, it's an eventful 
event, but uh, we noted a few things at the event. What are some of the things that you guys took from the event? And I'll give you mine in a sec. Oh, well, okay. So we did, we did what, 20, 20 or so meetings. Yeah. Uh, I certainly noticed that the conferences in the U.S. seem to yield more companies on a percentage basis that pass our criteria than do the conferences up here in Canada, certainly, right? So even even in the U.S., it's still it's still a small percentage. But we, as you said, about I don't know, five hundred companies, you know, twenty five or so that we were interested in. I think twenty or so meetings. So that's actually a very good percentage relative to some of the um, some of the conferences that we attend up in Canada. Not that there aren't great companies that go to those conferences too, but. They tend, I, I would say that in Canada, it's less than 10%, almost always, uh, in terms of companies that we would actually be interested in because they pass our criteria. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things that I noted um, from the event was you know, talk from some of the you know management, the CEOs of these companies, obviously about, you know, we asked where it was applicable about the supply chain issues and most of the answers, you know, before they shake their heads and put their hands in their heads, um, they, you know, they're worried about getting components, parts, uh, about not only price inflation uh, in the inputs, but they're also, you know, in terms of uh, wage inflation. Um, so, it, you know, it was a, certainly a concern and how, you know, a lot of them are, you know, doing price increases. They, they're worried about how long they can continue to pass that on to the consumer. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that we look at when we look at these businesses, too, usually if you saw an unusual build in inventory, you might be concerned there might not be a sell through. Uh, but in this case, you know, smart companies that have cash have built inventory uh, as a buffer because, I mean, the last situ- type of situation that you want to get in is not having product for sale. So, that you know, if you had cash right now, it's been smart to build inventory. But, you know, you talked, we talked to one uh, from a scissor, one of the largest scissor manufacturers, and he noted that, you know, one of their factories, they usually paid $15 an hour and they up to 18, which is a significant increase. But that's just to keep people interested in continuing to work there. Now, they've been able to have pricing power in this period. So they're passing on that wage inflation that they saw to the consumer. Uh, but in the past, they've never had this type of, uh, you know, pricing power that they have in the market right now. And, you know, just worried about how this affects the consumer, how if they can continue to pass it on. Uh, business is pretty good for that company specifically. But, um, you know, just, just concerns about, uh, you know, you can't just keep having. I mean, I had a conversation last week with the CEO that last year, you know, they'd had no pricing power for years. And last year they did four price increases and they were just met because they were the only one that could get product out. So, you know, it's interesting times. And these are the type of things that when we look at these businesses uh, that we're uh, evaluating, uh, you got to figure out whether these are one-time events or something that, you know, is sustainable uh going forward and and how to analyze that is a little more challenging right now brandon what are your thoughts i guess one thing that i would add is um you know like of course uh, any company that's growing by acquisition you know we'd ask them how you know the targets are looking out there 
And I guess a common theme was a lot of companies saying that, you know, valuations just in the general market have pulled back. So, you know, it, it's starting to uh, potentially uh, look better than the market for acquisitions, essentially. I think that was as well a common theme that we were hearing from management teams um, where, you know, just uh, at the beginning of 2021, you know, we just saw valuations at extreme levels. Um, and that's starting to subside. So, uh, I mean, there's still obviously pricey, pricey companies out there, but yeah, I, uh, think I think that a was good, a common no, theme. It was a mm-hmm. common theme. We saw like any companies that, you know, that had cash in the balance sheet, mm-hmm. um, some of them built that up over a year or just are sitting on it and have been sitting on it over the course of the past year. Uh, valuations in terms of companies they were targeting had gotten to extreme multiples. Uh, you're probably seeing it put, pull back into a range where they may be able to start to pull uh, pull the trigger on some of those acquisitions. Uh, they may be waiting until it gets a little bit worse, even in some cases. So getting into more of a buyer's market rather than a seller's market, uh, it, we could see that over the course of this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and I talked about the one-time events. Um, one of the things that we've been dealing with, and you're looking at companies there, there's companies, for example, that may have... You know, a COVID testing kit, right? I mean, absolutely spiked in terms of revenues over the course of this. So their financials over the past year might look tremendously strong. Uh, but you, when you're looking at that business, if we at some point project that uh, the, the testing subsides, which you're already seeing that now, that massive spike in revenues uh, likely comes down. And then that stock, although it's trading at eight times earnings, uh, when earnings come down, that multiple can go up. And uh, that's a reason why many of those stocks have been hit very hard. You got to figure out whether or not these are sustainable trends. Uh, just like, you know, I'll give you another example a- exercise equipment companies, the Pelotons, the Nautilus out there, massive jump in sales during COVID. Everybody builds their home gyms. The problem is you just don't need 10 uh treadmills or you don't need 10 bowflex machines so you know that you've seen a significant drop off just in the last couple quarters quarter over quarter to where these companies were last year they look cheap but are they value traps and was that a one-time event i mean at this conference there were some shipping companies that were at the event but and they look cheap right now um but if you look back at many of them 10 years ago there was like five two to three percent growth single digit growth uh over this past year they had 50 to 100 percent growth so is that sustainable as a long-term investor i would be cautious on the segment sometimes when there you know when there hasn't been growth in the past but it's a one-time event leading to that growth uh and there's been a surge in shares of those companies uh you know it's something to be cautious on for sure for sure. And, you know, just to basically sum up the event, I did think it was really good. I mean, we had a, a lot of productive meetings, uh, met with some great CEOs, you know, CFOs, just operators in general. And, you know, like there's a few businesses that I'm very intrigued of are in that we did meet with. And even some that, you know, I went into the meeting, you know, not too, um, you know, I guess stoked, I could say on the business. But, you know, I came out afterwards um, being pleasantly surprised 
um, you know, by just uh, the direction of the business and what they're projecting and the valuations, you know, everything seems to kind of align with some of these businesses. And of course, we will be putting out, you know, our Roth report, uh, you know, just kind of outlining uh, some of these businesses uh, and what we uh, came out with, uh, you know, from the meetings and, uh, you know, just the valuations and what we see uh, going forward with uh, some of these companies here. Yeah, I do think that that all of the conversations that we had down there were worthwhile. In terms of making recommendations, I'm looking forward to some follow-up calls with some of the companies. Um, but certainly, they were worthwhile conversations. I mean, I can't say that you know any of the the meetings that we had, I didn't learn something from or have some level of interest in in the company that we're talking about. So, the way that we're going to do this for the Roth report is we're going to essentially provide all of the notes. The summary of the notes from each of the meetings that we had, uh, just a basic breakdown of some of the things that we learned from the com- conference generally, and then any new recommendations that come out of that as well. Excellent. And we'll look for that over the next couple of weeks. Now, we also wanted to announce our live webinars upcoming, the live webinars, March 29th, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the next live webinar, April 5th. It will be at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We launched that. I was on Michael Campbell's show, Money Talks uh, podcast, over the weekend. Uh, The live webinar for March 29th is already 82% sold. So I encourage you to get out there and get your tickets. The webinar is entitled Position Your Stock Portfolio Post-Pandemic. We're looking at new opportunities for 2022 and beyond. Essentially, all you need to know to effectively structure a winning stock portfolio, most importantly, the right stocks to put in it. We'll talk about the stealth tech crash and the buying opportunity. Half the NASDAQ-listed stocks have lost 50% of their value from their 2021 highs. It's underreported. So which companies there to avoid, which of them are falling nice, and which great tech stocks now offer long-term value? We'll get into that. We'll look at current opportunities, risks, the five most asked questions from investors, including what is the likelihood of a crash or major correction in the near future? Are there key risks and opportunities in the economy and stock market today? How do I manage the risk of rising rates, inflation, and supply chain? And is it better to invest now or wait? And finally, what is Keystone's best piece of advice for investors today? We're going to show you how to build that 15 to 25 stock growth and dividend stock portfolio. We're going to talk about opportunities in cloud technology, AI, AI, sorry, automation, automation, sorry, digitization and cybersecurity, infrastructure assets, cash flow, rental properties, uh, apartment REITs, industrial, dividend growth stocks, many other things. We'll touch on cryptocurrencies, NFTs and meme stocks as well. And give you six to eight great stocks, including our top tech, top REIT, top uh, cash rich, small cap, top fang stock, gold related, and many more. Finally, at the end, about 30 minutes, talk to myself, Aaron, or Brennan and answer your questions on stocks and our strategies going forward. So hopefully that gives you an overview of what we'll be talking about at that event uh, get your tickets if you are looking to, uh, you know, become a better investor, educated, and get some good stock selections that you can add to your portfolio today. And a lot has changed since we did our last DIY seminar in the fall as well. So 
it was it was starting in November that we really saw tech companies, particularly the high growth tech companies, start to start to fall, um, and that's just continued up until now. So there are really some interesting companies in that space, and that's probably one of the most exciting things I think about this upcoming about this upcoming DIY event is that we get to talk about that, talk about some of our research. Um, when you have companies that are growing at you know well into the double digits, they're down 30, 40%. That's something to definitely take a look at. Uh, and, and also commodities, how commodities are gonna fit into investors' portfolio. And we don't, we're, we're not, we, we, we're against basing your entire investment strategy on, on a commodity uh, based portfolio. You don't want to be overly exposed to commodities, but there are some good arguments to have some exposure to select commodities or select companies in that area. And part of what we're going to do is we're going to discuss how you get that exposure uh, in, in a reasonable way to take advantage of the, the potential opportunity, but also managing risk as well. So those two things to me are exciting. But of course, the everything, every time we do a DIY event, uh, we we change things up a little bit to reflect what's going on in the current environment, and it's uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting. Yeah, and certainly adding as part of we talk about that fifteen to twenty five stock portfolio, two to three to four of those companies, if they have exposure to underlying commodities, uh, that's a good mix within an overall portfolio. When I hear people saying at 40, 50% of your portfolio, you know, that's, it makes me cringe and it, it, it's going to expose you to too much risk. But on the flip side, two to three to four in your portfolio that are exposed to those segments, to commodities, generally speaking, uh, it can provide some counter cyclical balance in your portfolio as well. So, you know, those are things that we'll talk about in the seminar. Now, I'm going to quickly get to a listener question, and then Brennan's got one more uh, that we'll get to, but this is for our Your Stock, Our Take segment. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take, Buy, Sell, or Hold. Listener Susan asks us our thoughts on a profitable, cash-rich, micro-cap, Namesys, Inc. She says, I know it has a cash-rich balance sheet, which you guys like, and it is profitable. What are your thoughts now? Well, you are correct. Uh, Namesys Inc. CTZ on the TSX Venture trades around eighty-five cents, twenty-three point one nine million dollar market cap. Uh, what does the company do? But they have roots that date back actually to the late nineteen eighties. Today, Namesys provides software solutions for currency management and processing for the banking and merchant industries, principally in North America. The company offers. Ciron SmartSafe, a cloud-based digital platform for managing networks of smart safes. Cash in transit logistics that manage routes, scan barcodes, and capture signatures digitally, and deposit tracking for tracking digital deposit data and transmits real-time updates. So let's look at the Q4 financials of the company. They revenues increased around three percent to 1.27 million, up from 1.24 million. Uh, net income was slightly below the period last year, 322,000 down from 329, basically flat. For the year, revenue came in at 4.98 million compared to 4.75 million. So decent growth there, but really, you know, in the single digit range in terms of revenues over the past year. Namesys, like we said, strong balance sheet, cash on hand, 2.55 million, short-term investments around 2 million, limited to no debt. 
So our thoughts on the company names, this is a quality, profitable, cash rich microcap. The business uh, has seen annual growth for each of the past 10 years, which is an excellent track record. However, the growth has not been spectacular, taking annual revenues from in the U.S. range of $1 million in 2012 to U.S. $4 million or $4.98 million Canadian in 2022. So at this stage, it still ranks as a very small business with revenues you know, in the range of $5 million Canadian in the public arena. Additionally, the core business operates to assist the physical cash cycle. It is used by retailers, cash and transit companies, and banks. The platform appears solid and is primarily SaaS-based, which is good. Now, while physical cash is not going away near term, we see a mid to long-term declining cycle and servicing a business within a downturn, this sector concerns us. Valuations, 12 months trailing basis, posted about 046 cents in earnings so you know 4.6 cents in earnings trades with a pa of 18.46 now you take out that cash um about 16.7 cents per share the company's pex cash is 14.84 which is somewhat more interesting particularly as a takeover target but again five percent growth over the last year in terms of revenues again we say the company's admirable micro cap have some value as a takeover target, but we wouldn't just buy for that. The strong balance sheet, history of, history of profitability is good, but with its low growth over the past year, declining end market, it gives us reason just to pause and rank it as a company we monitor at present. And we get a we get a lot of questions about this company from from clients. Yeah, I think because, because it, is it obviously, looks like it would meet it's our underfollowed. Yep, yeah, and it and it and it does have good fundamentals um, on you know, face value, and I, I mean, legitimately, a lot of the fundamentals are strong. But I would say when you're looking at a company of this size and with some of the aspects of the business model, which you know we're not sustainable, we're not we're not 100 percent sure that the, that these that the profitability and the growth is sustainable. It really 14 times earnings cash out, 18 times earnings cash in. It is that's not a very cheap valuation. I mean, when you're looking at a tiny company like this, you'd probably want to see it, you know, well south of 10 times earnings. Uh, would would be my would be my thoughts on it. So, is is it cheap? Well, relative to the market, yes, but it's also far more risky relative to the market average. Certainly, if you don't consider a lot of oil and gas. Um, so it's, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not really that cheap, even given, uh, you know, where, where the stock is right now. Yeah. I think what inhibits it right now, it it would be the growth rate. If we saw 20 plus percent growth, you know, or even, you know, higher than that, but in 20 plus percent, and it was trading at a discount to its growth rate. But over the past year that that single digit, you know, 5% revenue growth, uh, if that just stays in this range, it's certainly just fair value. Perhaps it gets taken out at uh, somebody buys the business and it gets a premium. Uh, but we'd like to have that wild card, you know, in our quiver. We'd like to have that as a bonus potentially and have the company growing at a, a, at a better rate. Certainly ranking well above, uh, you know, about 95% of the companies listed on the TSX venture. NAMSIS is a good situation in that respect. Um, it's we'd just like we said we're uh, we'd like to see a little more growth before it got us really interested. So Brennan, yes. you're going to handle the final your stock our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take. Buy, sell, or hold. That's on Converge Technologies. Go ahead. 
Thank you. Converge Technology Solutions. Uh, it is CTS on the TSX. Um, I accidentally sent Ryan that it was on the TSX Venture. They actually recently uplisted, so sorry, Ryan. That's my bad. Well, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> sorry. Um, so right now, the stock is currently trading at $10.72 and has a market cap of $2.1 billion. Now, Converge Technology Solutions is a North American hybrid IT solution value-added reseller focused on delivering advanced analytics, cloud cybersecurity, uh, and managed services offerings, offerings, as well as the provision of hardware and software products and solutions to clients across various industries and organizations. Uh, the company does primarily grow through acquisition, and since October of 2017, the company has completed 28 uh, acquisitions. Now, a few key points. The company announced three acquisitions in 2022 so far. Uh, the most recent was on March 1st, uh, and they announced that they acquired one CRM, uh, which essentially offers software uh cloud and on-premise uh, with the ability to handle daily task management, marketing, automation, sales and opportunities, order management, client service and project management in a single system. On February 9th, they announced that it acquired German-based organization Visucom, GmbH, uh, which has been a trusted supplier of professional screens, interactive blackboards, loudspeakers, etc. And on January 10th, they announced that it had acquired PDS holding company, a Delaware Corp, uh, which is focused on fueling digital transformation. And the last key point here is on December 8th of 2021, uh, the company announced it gained approval to increase its ABL credit facility from $190 million to $300 million in an agreement with a syndicate of banks led by CIBC. So that should give it some uh, more funding uh, for its acquisitions going forward on top of its large cash balance, which I'll get into. So looking at the recent financial results for Q4 of 2021, revenues were up uh, 74% to $505 million compared to the same period last year. This was primarily accelerated by uh, acquisitions. Adjusted EBITDA increased to about $34.7 million, an increase of 48% from Q4 of 2020. And the adjusted EBITDA margin in the quarter was just under 7%. Adjusted earnings per share was flat at about $0.12 cents per share. And the company has a great balance sheet with a net cash balance of $228.8 million, or about uh, $1.07 per share. And it trades with a trailing enterprise value to adjusted EBITDA multiple of about 22 times and a trailing price to adjusted earnings multiple of about 35 times. So our take here. Converge has been growing at an aggressive pace as it consolidates in the fragmented value-added reseller space, posting a compound annual growth rate of about 132% from 2017 to 2021. Now, in 2018, Converge started a multi-year strategic growth plan, pushing to make between four and six acquisitions per year in both North America and Europe. And management continues to have an aggressive growth strategy targeting a pro forma revenue run rate of about 2 billion and a 100 to 200 million adjusted EBITDA uh, heading into 2022. Now, since we last covered the stock on the podcast back in Q2 of 2020, the company has really turned around its financial position, where at that time the company had a net debt a net debt balance of about 207 million and a net debt to adjusted EBITDA multiple of approximately five times, which is getting pretty high. And they also had about 100 million shares outstanding at that time. 
where now the company maintains a healthy balance sheet uh, that's cash rich, continues to post stellar growth numbers fueled by acquisition, and still posted organic growth of approximately 9.6% in 2021, which is pretty good. Uh, but considering the company's low EBITDA margin of under 7% and valuation multiples of 22 times EV to EBITDA and a PE of about 35 times, does the company offer value? That's the big question here. I would personally argue that it trades near fair value in the near term, but if it can continue to execute on its growth strategy by making accretive acquisitions while not over levering its balance sheet, I think long term the stock could potentially offer some value despite its more premium valuations at present. But nonetheless, uh, we would maintain a monitor rating on the stock at this time. Yeah, I think it's a good summary on the company. It is interesting, you know, if they hit analyst targets this year, you know, it starts to come down in terms of valuations. But, you know, e even uh, going forward, I think in 2022, this coming year, you're looking at EBITDA margin projected, adjusted EBITDA in the range of seven and a half uh, in that range. Um, you know, that is, it is a low margin business and it will continue to do so. So, uh, you know, they have to maintain that level of growth going forward uh, to, you know, to really justify the valuations. You know, it certainly is an interesting story. We do have a, another company in coverage that, you know, is a, a little bit more diversified than this business. And it trades, you know, it has EBITDA margins in the range of 10 to 11%. And uh, trades at about twelve times EBITDA, where I, EV to EBITDA, where I think this year is expected for uh, converges in the range of twenty-one. In that, is it not, Brennan? EV for, to EBITDA. For, yes, yes, about yeah. twenty-one times. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's significant um, premium to uh, you know another company that we favor uh, that has part of its business that would be in a somewhat similar segment but a little more diversified definitely as well. So, you know, it's a company that we're certainly watching and they have executed quite well. I think that's going to end our show. Do you have any farther comments, Brennan? Uh, I think, you know, just on that other company that you were kind of touting, you know, just one last point is that other company does have, you know, a way better tight share float as well. Uh, you know, it's not that it, you can't issue shares to grow. You just have to make mm -hmm. sure that you're doing it accretively. That other company, tight share account, uh, and, and I feel like they're doing it more accretively long term. That's yeah, all. and Converge has done well over the past year, but I think they have doubled their share count, have they not? From correct, From 100 correct. million to about, you know, diluted yeah, 217 or something like that in yeah. that range. So, yeah, there is dilution there. Um, it looks to still, with their acquisitions, have been accretive on an EV, like on an EBITDA basis, on adjusted EBITDA basis. Yep. So it is interesting. Um, it's it's going to continue to probably raise money over time. But they do have cash in the bank to make those acquisitions right now, which is a good thing. So they should have some accretive acquisitions coming up. They certainly, uh, from the projections, you know, I'm looking at some analyst projections here in terms of going from expected this year one point. 5 uh, billion up to 2.38. That would be significant growth over the course of this year in terms of revenue. So we'll continue to watch Converge. Now, I'd like to thank everybody for continuing to send in their questions to our Your Stock, Our Take segments. 
Uh, keep those coming in. If you got two companies you want us to debate, we'll go through that as well. Send those in. Get your tickets to our upcoming seminar. Uh, I encourage you. It will sell out. March 29th, 7 p.m. April 5th, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to see you there. Get seven uh, around seven stocks to add to your current portfolio or start you building your portfolio today. Again, thank you very much, and I wish you all profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.